0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome. I'm your host,
1: Tony D'Urso. Today's show is with Rabbi Pincus Taylor and James Arthur Ray. Pincus is a phenomenal problem solver and a member of the American Counseling Association and the Association for Conflict Resolution. James Arthur Ray is the author of six internationally best-selling books, including his New York Times bestseller, Harmonic Wealth, The Secret to Attracting the Life You Want, and he's a co-author and contributor to The Secret. More on them in a moment, but first, with two high-profile and high-volume talk shows, I'm doing what you would expect. I'm combining them into one show. Can you pardon my dust while I expand? The new show is what you're hearing now, the Tony DiUrso Show. I will continue to broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m. on Voice America's Influencers channel. Please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. This show continues to be published every Friday on iTunes, on the mobile app, and everywhere you're listening to my shows now. Now, on one show, you'll hear from world-class influencers, celebrities, and masterpreneurs. I appreciate you as a great engaging audience, and I do hope you understand this consolidation, as I am expanding tremendously. The summary? Continue to listen to my shows just as you normally do, the way you normally do. That was easy. And then, stay tuned for news on my new TV show. I'll tell you more about that another time. Thanks again for being a great audience. I love your feedback and welcome your comments as always. And now, today's interview is with Rabbi Pincus Taylor and James Arthur Ray. All right, here's some info on Pincus. He's a rabbi, executive life coach, author, and lecturer. He also has a YouTube channel, Taylor Talks, which provides weekly inspiration as well as promotes universal values and themes of universal interest with regular celebrity guests, athletes, and politicians. He's a phenomenal problem solver and a member of the American Counseling Association and the Association
2: for Conflict Resolution. Welcome to the show, Pincus. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here.
1: The honor is mine. I'm privileged to have you and I can't wait to find out. But first things first, I got to find out, how did you become so good at helping others? What's your backstory?
2: I grew up in South Florida when I was about 15 years old, basically out of the blue, decided that um, I wanted to be a rabbi because I, I enjoyed uh, learning, I enjoyed teaching, and I enjoyed people. So like you stir that up in a pot, and it seems you know, like rabbi's a pretty good fit for that. Um, and then after high school, I went right to, um, to rabbinical school up in New Jersey, and I was there for about nine years total. Ah, uh, between you know, in in different in different formats and programs that were offered. I actually spent one year out in LA as well, which was which was kind of fun, as as part of the rabbinic as part of the rabbinic, rabbinic training, and and so I, I've always enjoyed people, and I've always enjoyed teaching, and and just you know, growing relationships. Ah, uh, both both my personal relationships with others and uh, and helping people to um, maximize their own. So that that kind of came with the territory. It really took, I think, an added jump when when I was in my last year of rabbinical school. I was hired by a local uh, drug rehab to you know because a lot of the twelve step um, activity is is all um, you know spiritually based. So basically. Ah, uh, they had hired me to you know to give some spirituality insights and be like a spiritual mentor to the clients that that they had in the uh, in the inpatient facility, and I enjoyed it very much. Uh, you know, I, I learned a it was a it was a big wake up call to sort of how different backgrounds and experiences that people have had that I had never been uh, exposed to certainly to that capacity, um, and I and I always kind of wanted that you know following that to to make extra effort in in being involved in in helping people's lives in, in on a very deep way so that includes both you know those in addiction recovery i i am a, a hospice chaplain and you know the executive life coaching is is been phenom- has been phenomenal as well so i mean different people in different stages facing different challenges in their life i just kind of was like a thing. It was like a a calling, if you will, uh, to be able to do this type of work. And I've been doing uh, really, it's it's been going really well, and I really enjoy it.
1: I'm very interested by this. And as we had mentioned off air, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in Chicago, and I have a lot of Jewish friends, and I even know a little bit of Hebrew, which I surprised you with off air. That's and right. <laughs> I've never hung out with a rabbi before, for whatever reason I've met them, but I've never hung out or interviewed one. And I'm really interested, and from the audience perspective as well, just a little short little segue here. What is it that you see about your background that makes you good at spirituality and helping people on a spiritual level? Just so to give a little understanding to the audience that may not understand that part.
2: Oh, sure. So I think coming from a non-religious background was actually fairly beneficial in the long run, uh, not only career-wise but just, you know, in personal development. I think there are there are certainly many people who uh come from irreligious backgrounds that remain, you know, not particularly religious throughout their life and there are some that uh have come from, you know, purely religious backgrounds and some that that were from religious backgrounds, and and did and, you know, and 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 wind up not continuing to pursue that. But you know, everyone has their own background and reason for it. But I think what kind of really shaped me was the idea of you know seeing both sides of the coin. You know, I remember growing up where in the way that any secular American person uh, would grow up, enjoying and doing the same things, involved in the same culture, and and knowing knowing everything that there is to know about you know about life and what it is to grow up as an American teenager and, and everything like that but in my in my mid teens to sort of make that transition just because of this real just love of, uh, of my faith and of faith in general and people and you know really trying to to make a, a large impact I, I think that helped frame and ma- and makes for good um Interaction with people, good good um, understanding of where people are coming from, and I think it helps me personally to be able to relate to people in a in a in a way that's different than you know perhaps somebody who had come from a strictly religious lifestyle.
1: I got you. It makes good sense. I appreciate you sharing that with us. And now let's get into the meat and potatoes of what we really want to know a lot more about, which is the mechanics here of positive thinking. And let's start this off Pincus with talking about speech and thoughts and how that influences our own reality.
2: Sure. So we are, we're really a product of, of everything that we uh, involve ourselves in. So in other words, the way that we view the world is, is synonymous with every book that we've ever read, every newspaper article and magazine article and website and uh, and every movie we've watched and TV show and all the things that we allow into our brain that kind of shapes the world, uh, our outlook. What we allow in is sort of what we sort of project out. You know, it's, it's the same way that it happens that when a person is, they maybe take the same route home every single day and they'd be doing it for 10 years And, you know, the night before they saw a scary movie or they heard a bad news report or or something. And now all of a sudden that same street, nothing, nothing's inherently changed about the street. It's the same alley, the same place you've been walking for the last 10 years. You're really familiar with it. And all of a sudden you're a little bit nervous. You're looking over your shoulder. You're, you know, your heart beats faster. You walk a little faster. And, the reason is nothing Nothing has inherently changed about the place that you are, just your perspective has changed. And so we are very much a product of the exposures that we allow into our mind. And so the way in which we look back at the world, the world does, in a sense— sort of shape to to the way in which we look at it you know i I was talking to someone about this yesterday because there's a lot of a lot of just upheaval in general in politics especially these days and it doesn't really matter what side of the aisle a person is on We're, we're just constantly so engrossed in media attention articles on social media or you know, on television, all the all the major news networks, whatever it is. So everyone's either they're they're you know, it's pumped through our brains 24 hours a day, and people are living in fear. People are living are, are outraged about something, and everything is so blown out of proportion of what like the average person is really experiencing and really uh, needs to be involved with and know. And we wind up driving ourselves crazy. You know, I find people like living in fear, and 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 really just clutching everything, and it's 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 so over the top that you know it's it's a product of the things that we are you know, putting our mind into that we're allowing to come into our minds, um, and it, it's it's really it's really a shame. And so the, the the thoughts that we have, and the the speech that we, the things that we decide that we're going to talk about, and the style of our speech really affects everything up into our action, and it creates the reality in which we live. We're all given tools, thoughts, speech, and action are all are all the way in which that makes up our general human experience. but the choice of how we're going to how we're going to utilize it, how we're going to to uh, operate with those things makes a heck of a difference in the type of life that affects our overall well-being.
1: Yes, and to that, especially watching too much TV, because you're getting the excitement of bad news, bad things happened, events that you cannot control in various parts of the world, and it all comes as very bad, and it can give that fair it can give that stress that anxiety and try watching less tv and you'll actually feel a lot better that's what i Yeah of my seriously life. yeah
2: there's these, there's these old things called books that are What's really that? <laughs> <laughs> they're really good and uh, you can really gain a lot from them there, you know there's there's uh, there was a, there were some studies done uh, within the last 10 to 20 years on negativity bias and it seems that a lot of people are actually sort of predisposed to negativity and negati- that, that's sort of cultivated in our culture because people are attracted more to negativity or it sticks in our minds quicker. Negativity that, you know, cable agencies or, you know, news, news will, uh, people are more likely to engage with something on social media that has uh, a negative tinge to it. You're constantly hearing, you know, as a trailer to, you know, an upcoming news story. You don't, you never hear something nice. It's always like kind of, preying on something negative, like your kids might be in danger. Tune in at seven. You know, it, it's yeah. it's to grab our attention in that way, which is just—I mean, it's really, it, it's really not meant to be like that. Our, our, we're not meant to process the world around us in, the, in that in that way.
1: Yeah, it's too much, and I've run into people that are very stricken by this. And what do they spend their time is watching TV, but it is made that way on purpose to uh, get the attention and, you know, there's sponsors behind that and they have stuff to sell. It is a business when you think about it. It's not really giving you the news. It's really selling to their advertisers and making a profit if you really think about it because if there were no advertisers and no profit, what would that be? It wouldn't really be the news the way it is right now, I don't think. This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Rabbi Pincus Taylor, and James Arthur Ray. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
3: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Check out my other
1: great interviews at tonydurso.com slash radio or using your Android or iPhone. Get the app at tonydurso.com slash mobile. That's tonydurso.com slash radio or slash
4: mobile. Get Unchained.
0: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
3: We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: To the spotlight with Tony D'Irso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at Tony Now, back to the spotlight. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Irso show.
1: Today's show is with Rabbi Pincus Taylor and James Arthur Ray. Rabbi Taylor is the director of adult education and outreach at the Shabbat of Plantation. He lectures weekly and has a very large online following. He's a source of inspiration to many, helping them strive for greatness and personal growth. All right, and now back to the chat with Pincus.
2: Yeah, I agree 100. I There's always you always got to follow the trail behind uh, each statement and each uh, you know ideology that's being pushed.
1: Yeah, negativity sells. In fact, the movies. The keynotes of movies these days are conflict. You know, no matter who they are, good guys, bad guys, conflict, 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 and it just it does draw attention and it it does get you on the seat of your chair and it does get that heart rate going up. But at the end, you know, it's a bit too much. I think books are great because you can read them at your own pace, study them, put them down when you want. And I think society's kind of dwindling on that. I'm uh, maybe going and going more into audio. Reading of books and audio reading of documents and stuff like that, I think the readership of what I mean I'm a four- time author myself, but I think people are reading less overall, and I'd love to see a big push to get more people to read. I think that would be great.
2: yeah, i I, I completely agree. I think it'll be better for our our culture, our, our society, if more people are are getting back to you know what what has kept us a strong people, what has kept humanity strong and and intelligent is our you know is 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 our being able to you know learn things from books reading it ourselves and making and processing it for ourselves, not just having information either fed to us read to us with a you know oftentimes with an agenda that we aren't necessarily um you know in tune with
1: yes exactly let's take a little bit of a different slant on this now Pincus we've got people they that are negative, they, they're they a product of society or whatever, but they don't want to be negative. They want to be better. And you hear this, hey, think happy thoughts, be positive. And some people think it's just a lot of baloney and, and just can't see that. So how can we train people who want to be more positive and rise up? Let's just use that analogy, rise up in terms of spirituality, we'll include that, in terms of beingness. How can they start training themselves to look at things hey more italian it's it's half full not half empty
2: yeah so no that, that's a great question I, I i think i i think there are there are really two answers that i'd like to uh suggest for that because i don't think anybody really wants to be negative but some people you know many people in fact you know are have this sort of predisposition to you know the the, the first thing is to, to look at things in a negative sense the, the first thing i want to like just kind of bring out is is a, is a brief actual, um, you know, like a biblical, something in the biblical model. So you have Joseph, a, a famous biblical figure. He's a son of Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons, and Joseph is sort of his favorite. And his other brothers, because they see the favoritism, they're ostensibly, they are jealous of him. And in, in the biblical narrative, what they end up doing is they want to throw him into a pit um and sort of let whatever happens happens and take it from there and interestingly enough, the way the, the torah, the way the, the 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 Hebrew Bible actually uh describes when they throw him in the pit, it says that it describes it says the pit was empty, there was no water in it. It uses this sort of like double redundant language, right The pit was empty, there was no water in it well, if it was empty, I know there was no water on it so one of the one of the rules that we have. In uh, in Jewish tradition, is that the Torah never says anything redundant. That it's not it's not poetic value. That there's it, it's calling our attention to something. If something appears to be redundant, it's a teaching moment. It's meant to just kind of draw our eyes. Like why did the Torah re- repeat itself? Must be something here. And so the commentaries say something very interesting. Said that this pit that they threw him into, it was empty of what pits are normally having in them. What they're supposed to have in, them, which is water. But it, the natural result of that was that it was filled in the nooks and in the, all the nooks and crannies and cracks within the pit. It was filled with snakes and scorpions. And so, again, it was empty of what pits normally have in it, which is water. But it was filled with snakes and scorpions. And, and that's really the way that our mind kind of works. Our mind is kind of like the pit. You know, we can never stop thinking. There's always something going through our mind. It's really just it's more of an empty vessel. It functions more as a receiver. Um, that fil- that filters out, but we can 't stop thinking so the the choice is really it 's really a, a twofold choice you either have your your mind is either filled with water with goodness and purity right with life, or the the natural result if it 's not filled with positivity if it 's not filled with water, the natural results are snakes and scorpions there 's no sort of in between right it 's either one or the other it 's out of the nooks and the crannies and the crevices are going to come the snakes and scorpions. And so if a person is not making an active effort to be positive, to surround themselves with positive people, to engage in positive behaviors, right, to talk about people and things in a positive way, well, then the, the result is going to likely be snakes and scorpions. Like there's, there's, there's no way to avoid that. So number one, we have to be kind of careful about what scenarios? What who who we're hanging around? What we're putting into ourselves? What we're reading? What we're what we're doing? You know, you, you can't operate in the mud. You can't you know you can't uh, if you're wrestling if you're wrestling with somebody in the mud you're going to get dirty yourself as well. So you, you can't like be talking bad about people and experiences and doing things that are not the best things to be doing, um, and then expect that you're going to think positively. It's it's just doesn't work like that. One way that, that I would sort of encourage people, negativity is not really something that you can fight. You don't fight negativity. You, can't, uh, you don't fight darkness. You sort of add light, uh, and that just automatically makes the darkness sort of go away. There, there's a story that I, that I often think about, especially now in the summertime, because it happened last summer at our home. So I have five children, and they're all under eight years old. So they're, all the kids are close in age. My oldest is eight, uh, going to be eight. And my youngest is just a, now just about uh, is is uh, is two. So last summer, my youngest was one. And we had one of those swimming pools that you could pick up, that you can pick up from Walmart or in, I know every supermarket in Florida, I imagine LA is similar. Every supermarket has these little plastic baby swimming pools that, you know, you fill up with, you put the hose Fill it up a little bit with water, and a baby. You put a baby in, they could splash around and have you know pool time. So last summer, when our one-year-olds, my wife uh, suggested one day that you know can would I would I can I fill up the pool, put some water in it, and and take our one-year-olds for a little swim. The only problem with that was that our older kids to this day. When it's when it does when it has nothing in it, what they'll do is they'll fill up this little pool with dirt and with mud and with rocks, and it ends up looking more like a like a gross sandbox than it does a pool. And so, you know, they 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 fill it up, and it's and it's quite it gets quite heavy, and it's filled sometimes with just garbage and muck, and then it rains and it's muddy and gunky and and. my wife asked me if I could fill up the pool, and I went over to it, and it had all the it had all the mud and the gunk and the and the rocks inside of it. And I and I tried lifting it to spill it out, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, and so I, I was thinking, like, well, okay, well, how am I going to do this? You know, there was no one, there's no neighbor, no one, no one can help me, like, you know, lift it up and dump it out. But so I just got the idea pretty simple solution just stick the water excuse me stick the hose right inside the pool and turn the hose on and after about 5 minutes of letting the water just run its course all the gunk and the and the mud and the rocks and the gunk had had come out pretty quickly right and and the pool was left with just clean nice water in it and my and my my little baby was able to go for her little swim and, and so really, this, this is kind of a, a key message in our exploration, or our, our desire to, to get to become more positive people, is that a lot of us we try, to, we try to lift up the pool, we try to lift out and push out the gunk and, and dig it out and, and be able to you know, we feel sometimes, like negativity that, that sits on our head is like this insurmountable, you know weight. On ourselves that we cannot lift. It's 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 there forever. And the idea is not to try to lift it. The idea is not to try to dump it all out of our head and 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 just you know pour it out of our system. The more we add in positive experiences, the more we surround ourselves with positive experiences, the the greater our likelihood, the greater we nurture our proclivity towards positivity. So I would encourage people to get you know involved with good. Old fa even even not old I don't want to say old fashioned, but what what people usually associated with good overall well being. Being part of a community, being part of a religious group, being part of, you know, a Boy Scout troop, being part of something that is about spreading goodness that is dedicated to just wholesome values and wholesome living and with other like minded people. This
1: is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with Rabbi Pincus Taylor and James Arthur Ray. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
3: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You
1: heard that a majority of businesses fail. Don't be a statistic. Get my book free, The Vision Map. Beat the odds for your business success. Get it free at TonyDurso.com vision. And set up your own successful vision map. TonyDurso.com vision. Hi. If you're like me, the list of books you want to read or those people suggest you read is never-ending and it's always expanding. I get so many books from amazing people who want to be on my shows that it's just not possible to read them all. Our sponsor Blinkist has solved our long list of must-reads once and for all. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of the best-selling non-fiction books and distills them down to their most impactful elements. So you can read or listen to them in another 15 minutes all on your phone. With Blinkist, you'll expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can in almost any other way. Plus, you can listen anywhere. I like to listen to Blinkist while I'm driving. Some people like to spend their first 15 minutes of the day listening to something inspirational to get them started for work. How about you? The Blinkist Library is massive, from timeless classics like the 7 Habits of Highly Effective People to the 80-20 Principle. My personal recommendation is to check out the 4-Hour Workweek again. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com revenue to start your free 7-day trial. How cool is that? That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash revenue to start your free seven-day trial. And you can cancel at any time. Blinkist dot com slash revenue.
3: Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel.
6: The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else.
0: Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
3: Hear the stories. Be motivated. Be inspired. Join us today. Voice America Influencers.
0: listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to tony at tonydurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show.
1: Today's show is with Rabbi Pincus Taylor and James Arthur Ray. All right, back to the chat with our guests. Pincus, you are very astute. That is one of the best pieces of advice I've heard in years. You can't fight darkness. The way to deal with it is you let light in. If the negative person's got snakes and scorpions in their mind, fill it with good thoughts. Put the water in the pool and let it carry out the gunk until it's just fresh water. Very sage, very wise. You're so young to be so wise. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's the ma- it's the magic
1: <laughs> very very good i really really like it. fill yourself with good stuff read some books turn down the news fill yourself with more very good positive things see the world as something good and encourage and bring in more good great well once again Pinkas taylor we talked about the mechanics of positive thinking his website is and i'll spell it p-i-n-c-h-a-s T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. It looks like Pinchas, but it's Pincus. Pincas Thank you so much. It was great.
2: Thanks so much, Tony.
1: And now we have James Arthur Ray joining us. He's the author of six internationally best-selling books, including his New York Times bestseller, Harmonic Wealth: The Secret to Attracting the Life You Want, and he's a co-author and contributor to The Secret. Ray worked with over 1 million people from 145 countries through his audio, video, coaching, life and business leadership programs. Over 1 million people have attended his live events worldwide. Welcome to the show, James.
6: Hey, it's good to be here, Tony. Thanks for having me.
1: James, it's such an honor to have this interview with you. And like my audience, I'm beyond excited to speak with someone who's had a key part in the book and film, The Secret. And I'm hoping you're going to give us some more tidbits on that.
6: Well, I, I would love to, because frankly, Tony, I think my very best material ended up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> they, uh, you know, I, uh, first of all, that that whole contribution was a labor of love. Most people don't know that, but every single one of the experts in that movie and also in the book didn't receive a nickel of compensation. We We just did that as a labor of love. And the, producer, Rhonda Byrne, who is a good friend of mine, had her own vision of where that needed to go. And they interviewed me for the film for three hours and three hours of video. And, you know, if you've watched the movie, you know, I'm not in it for three hours, not even close. So, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I think some of my very best material ended up on the cutting room floor because, you know, her vision with all respect was for a mass audience. And there's a lot more to this universe than just sitting in your living room visualizing, which a lot of people kind of came away from the secret and the law of attraction that if I just, you know, hold the vision, it's going to drop in my lap. And the fact is, if you sit in your living room and hold the vision, they'll come take your furniture away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know. There, there there was a. I love that. That's that's so true. There was this not rumors, not the right word, but you know, there's this whisper of that the really best parts were taken out. And I want to circle back to the secret later on in this interview. So, dear audience, you're just gonna have to wait because I really want to find out more about this. But believe it or not, I really I want to go back in time, James. I want to take it from the top. I want to know, how did you get started in this? How did you become so good? What's your backstory?
6: Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, my backstory is, is quite, quite long and quite diverse. I'll, I'll give you the, the condensed version. Grew up very insecure, skinny kid that was bullied and picked on and made fun of my entire early years. A very charismatic, domineering father and I was an introvert. And I still am an introvert, by the way. I would much rather curl up with a great book than to go to a party. But nonetheless, I, because of my own pain, I decided early, early on to study how the universe works. And so My father was a very dynamic Protestant minister. I was raised in the Christian tradition. I went to church three, four times a week, every single week, and had the utmost respect for Christianity, and yet I wasn't getting the answers to the questions that I was at. I was that kid, you know, in class who had 400 questions to everything, and I've always been that way. And and so I wasn't getting answers, and and because— or just have faith wasn't good enough for me. So I started, you know, my own search and believe it or not Tony, I I picked up the Buddhist Bible when I was about 18 years of age living in the buckle of the Bible Belt in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right down the street from Oral Roberts University, which tells you how strange I really was, and started my search. And and from that point on I I've studied literally probably everything, literally not in depth and detail everything, but I've, I've studied psychology and behavioral sciences, which was my school studies, and I've studied business and I've studied mysticism and all the great world religions. And I've studied quantum physics and biology and all of these things, looking for common threads. And as I started to be able to find the commonalities, I started to feel better about myself. My life started to change. I started to think differently and act differently. And then I thought I would share. I went to AT&T and got into sales. Quit college after my second year, and just was never fond of sitting in a seat. I wanted to do something, and school just didn't resonate with me. I've learned way more in my autodidactic studies, if you will, my self-studies, than I ever did in school, particularly from a practical standpoint. And so I, I left off from second year of college and went into the workforce and sales at AT&T. And I was a top salesperson there for a couple of years in very short order. And then they promoted me to become a national sales trainer for them, which I did. And, and when I got in front of the room for the first time, I thought, man, this is it this is it this is why i'm here and prior to that i had dabbled you know i wanted to be a rock star and i wanted to get into acting and i did a little bit of modeling and i did all these different things which really were components of my purpose and when i got in front of the room i realized this is it this is it and so from there i didn't stay there um, I actually graduated to a lot of different management positions. I was very mobile. They moved me all over the country. And I ended up at AT&T School of Business in Atlanta, Georgia, as a C-suite consultant and was working with the leaders of AT&T, internal to AT&T on leadership performance, team performance, communication, you know, strategies, all those kinds of things. And then in 92, they offered an early out program, and I took it. And leapt off and started my own consulting business, and did business consulting for the first several years out of AT and T, and then gradually moved into doing keynote presentations, and from there started doing live events and writing books, and you know here we are.
1: What a life! I'm very very impressed, and in a let's say in a smaller way you're on the pedestal here. I'm very impressed. In a smaller way, I've done much of what you've done, except for the quantum physics. My brother did that part. He's the rocket scientist, not me. But there was a period in my life, probably still going, where I've done two major evolutions in studying all the key religions of the world, all the major texts, and I really do like Buddhism, except it's changed so much from how Gautama Siddhara Buddha actually put it together, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It's really, I think, changed so much from how it used to be. But I am enamored with the religions and how they've formed and how they've come about. And I see that now in your success because you understand perhaps the bigger purpose, the bigger game, and... You know the secret? (laughs) 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 This is the Tony D'Urso Show. Just ahead, the chat continues with James Arthur Ray. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment.
3: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
2: I come downstairs and I overhear my mum my and dad talking in our native Farsi that you know, potentially we might lose our, our, our last shop and we've always had stores growing up. I guess I was just in my own little bubble enjoying my, my job in music and I didn't really realise that potentially our, our house was on the line. We both knew something had to change. I genuinely firmly believed in the digital process in, in getting our garments seen online. I knew we needed help and i knew we needed a platform to help get our content seen and our message heard the first campaign that we engaged with adroll returned 27 times the roi i can t- turn back and say to dad look look what we've
3: accomplished
4: to learn more about how nov solimian turned his family business into a global retail brand visit adroll.com/rcr that's a d r o l l com r c r
5: devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality tune in every wednesday at 9 a.m pacific time and 12 noon eastern time on the voice america influencers channel
0: have you had a chance to check out voice america's online magazine and blog press pass if you love our hosts and shows check out articles that give an even deeper perspective plus topics about health and fitness movie reviews philosophy business tips and tactics spirituality positive thought current events and even more about your favorite host It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the
3: time. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: Listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Irso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDURSO.com. Now, back to the Spotlight.
1: All right, we're back on the Tony D'Irso show. This segment of today's show is with James Arthur Ray. James is interviewed in numerous national media outlets in Fortune Magazine, People Magazine, Larry King Live, Piers Morgan. The Today Show, CNN, and Oprah. And now, back to the chat with James.
6: Well, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that we've lost our our mythology in today's world. And that's a problem. It's a real problem. Because all great mythologies, and, and there's no one better at this than Joseph Campbell, if you're familiar, you know, who I've studied at, at depth. Campbell did the same thing. He studied all great mythologies, and they all have the same kind of story, and they all have the same type of metaphor. And we've lost that because the all the stories, whether it's it's uh, Gotama Buddha or it's the Christ or it's Mithras or you know Prometheus or fill in the blank. Of numerous different uh, god men, if you will is, is the story of us coming into a, an acknowledgement and an awareness of who we really are and what we 're capable of and all the great prophets had told us have told us that we have you know a greatness within us and we 've just we've forgotten we, we were born into greatness we 've been conditioned into mediocrity unfortunately and and you know, I could I could go on this for days because I'm so passionate about it, but our traditional school system has failed us miserably. It, it, you know, our traditional school system, with all respect, was created to train people to go into factories, and it hasn't changed very much at all since then and so what Gallup now tells us is that 71 percent of the people surveyed are absolutely miserable in their daily work and the school system has to take responsibility for a lot of that in my opinion obviously we all have to take absolute responsibility for our own lives we can't blame the school system it has an influence but it doesn't control us but nonetheless it does have an impact on us and so therefore, most people I talk to, young people today, old people alike, uh, are chasing the money in the market, and yet 71% of the people surveyed are miserable. So obviously, that strategy is not very wise.
1: Sad and so true, and I appreciate that you understand that and that you're trying to help do something about that. And you know, you're Right. We could spend nonstop talking about this and working on solutions, and that would take us off a little bit of a tangent. I am so glad that you care and that you recognize it, because I think that's one of the first steps, is recognizing it, that the system isn't the way it's supposed to be. And if we don't do something about it, we're going to leave something, let's call it more worse, probably not correct grammatically, but uh, in not a good state, even as we have it now. And what we have now is not as good as the state as our forefathers had. So it's up to us to really do something. And I'm really glad that you're concerned about that. And I kind of hate to do it in a way, but I'm compelled to because the show is all about you. So we're going to come back to that later. And of course, we'll always have you on for another update and we'll talk more about this because I really love this subject. But we do want to know more about you, especially James. This is unique. I mean, how many people have one of the fastest growing privately held companies in the U.S., probably in the world? I'd love to know more about that.
6: Well, I'm really honored. I never could have imagined when I started my own business in 1992, which (laughs) seems like a lifetime ago now, that I would ever be inducted into the Inc. 500. And, you know, I can't take credit for that uh, fully. First of all, my director of operations at the time, it was her vision to, to get us into the Inc. 500. And I said, all right, let's do it. And so she, you know, there's a tremendous amount of paperwork and documentation and, and hoops to jump through to hit that moniker. And she did it. You know, she, she did all the work. And when they interviewed me, when Inc. Magazine interviewed me and said, how did you do it? I said, well, I really didn't. My team did and that's the truth now i'm also you know truthful and wise enough to know that i had enough enough wisdom and enough wherewithal to to collect and attract a great team and so you know again it's a tremendous honor and a privilege to to have that and i give my team the kudos for that and the the prime strategy that I would encourage every single entrepreneur listening today to utilize, to reach a state of ultimate performance, which is what I'm all about, and greatness, which is what you're hardwired to be, is to play your A game and to find people whose A game is your B and C game. And then let them play their A game and don't put a lot of attention into your B and C game now this goes contrary Tony to what we're taught in school if you're not good at math they say study more math I say wrong if you're not good at math then say hey I'm great at speech or I'm great at English or I'm great at literature so I'm going to go full force into that and that brings fulfillment and it also brings a greater propensity for success if that makes sense to you
1: absolutely makes sense you you go and you focus on your strength and with a good team with everyone focusing on their strength you make a great team out of it you make something really good out of it
6: i, th- I think you can become good at anything and that you know that just takes Uh, Dr. Anders Ericsson who is the man on peak performance 10,000 hours I'm sure you've heard of that you know if anybody will put in 10,000 hours of deliberate practice in something they can become good at it but not necessarily great and even fewer can become masterful. To become great and certainly to become masterful, you have to start with what I call your unique genius, the gifts that God or the source or life has given you, and you've got to leverage them and go full force and all in to develop those things. They still have to be developed. No one's born a master when you find that unique genius, that initial gift, then you have a chance to become great and maybe even masterful. And I think this is really important in today's entrepreneurial world where so many young people want to be entrepreneurs. But again, going back to, I I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, Tony, why are you going into this business? Well, I've heard I can make a lot of money at it. That's the worst strategy in the world to go after it. That's, I never even thought about making money when I started my business. I thought about doing what I love and becoming masterful at it.
1: And you know, this might be a great lead in because you have this book, Harmonic Wealth, and it took the world by storm. I believe the tagline is the secret to attracting the life you want. And it seems like that just fits into this. I'd like to talk about that book and also why do you think it exploded on the market and it did so well?
6: Well, thank you. Yeah, it hit the New York Times bestseller list in the first, in the first, the top of the list in the first five days of its release. And again, really blessed for that to have happened. And, and there's, I think there's several reasons why that happened. Certainly The Secret helped facilitate that. You know, I, I became quite a phenomenon and, and quite, a, quite well known because of The Secret and so I came out with harmonic wealth shortly thereafter and that obviously put some juice behind it. You know, secondarily, I think the topic it was and hopefully still is very attractive to a marketplace and what my objective was tony and i don't think i i achieved it in fact i know i didn't but my objective was to redefine wealth when you trace the root of the word wealth back to its origins it literally translates as well-being it doesn't translate as money and yet 99 percent of the people you ask them what wealth means they automatically say money mm-hmm. or riches or something they're you know similar harmonic wealth is a state of harmony and well-being in all areas of your life. And I say there are five primary areas, financial, relational, mental, physical, spiritual. And so I believe that really resonated with what I, you know, call the 71% club, which is not the club you wanna be a member of, but going back to what we already discussed, 71% of the people surveyed are miserable in their work. And and by the way, Tony, I, I think that number's higher than 71%. I think those are only the people telling the truth. (laughs) Good point. Good point. You know, but that's still damn near three-fourths of the population. Too many people. Yeah, way too many. Life's too short. And so what the book talked about was something that people were seeking. And one of the things, not only did I want to redefine wealth, but I wanted to blow out this idea that we hear so much about called balance and i believe that this idea of balance has caused more more pathology and more angst than any other concept out there and i'm really being serious here i'm not being dramatic because there is nobody who's balanced even the guys talking about balance aren't balanced i'm sorry You know, Balance says that everything is firing on all eight cylinders all the time. And that's just not the case in anyone's life harmony is much more than semantics. Harmonic wealth, if you look at harmony, you know, the metaphor I like to use is it's much like an orchestra, you know, or a jazz, let's use a jazz quartet. Sometimes you're leading with the drum, sometimes it's the saxophone, sometimes it's the bass, sometimes it's the lead guitar, but they all come together to create this magical tapestry called the music. And so such as life. Sometimes you're putting more energy and emphasis in your business, sometimes in into your family, sometimes into your fitness, sometimes, you know, into your relationships. But where the distinction needs to be made is that if you look at all five of those components, financial, relational, mental, physical, spiritual, think of them as spokes on a wheel. If you totally neglect one of the spokes, then the wheel will collapse. So balance in most people's mind is, well, if I spend 10 hours at work, I have to spend 10 hours with my kids. Well, that's not true. And therefore, because you don't spend 10 hours with your kids, you feel angst and you feel like a bad parent and you feel like you're out of balance. Well, guess what? You are out of balance and so is everybody. But, but what, where you break is when you totally neglect the kids. Where you break, and this is rampant, is where you totally neglect your health. You know because you're working so damn hard and so damn long that you never get to the gym and you're eating you know terrible low-nutrient foods all the time and thinking you're gonna go at Mach 10 well guess what you're gonna break and you know we hear story after story after story and so my advocacy is to look at all five of those I call them the five pillars and to put energy towards each of them every single day now You know, I go to the gym and lift weights three to four days a week, every single week. On the days I don't lift, I might do Tai Chi or I might do some yoga or I might take a walk around the neighborhood with my dog. So it's not like it's the same amount of energy every day, but there's something put towards that pillar called fitness and health every day. Does that make sense to you?
1: It makes great sense. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm soaking it all up as I believe our audiences as well. This is great perspective to have.
6: Thank you. And you know, what I find consistently is that when I can convey the idea of harmony versus balance, I mean, let me, let me give you this metaphor. Think of a scale and perfect balance. And if you can get a visual, You know, imagine one of those old scales that has two plates on either side and there's a pivot point in the middle. Well, picture that scale in perfect balance. Now, let me ask you, what's happening?
1: Well, literally nothing because
6: it's it's an
1: equilibrium and nothing is moving.
6: (laughs) In perfect balance, nothing happens.
1: I like that. That's a great quote. You should put your name on and send that out.
6: Well, it's in my book. Oh, good. Yeah, All perfect right. balance, nothing happens. You know, it's dead. The only per person in perfect balance is not in this life, and <laughs> and so there's not. You know, life is dynamic. It's always ebbing and flowing. And there's one of the seven laws in the universe. is called the law of rhythm. And you know, again, going back to. Uh, the law of attraction and, and all of that that was in the secret. There are seven laws of the universe. And by the way, the law of attraction is not even a law. It's a subset of a scientific law called the law of vibration. But I digress. Needless, the law, you know, the law of rhythm says that seasons come and seasons go. Tide flows in, tide flows out. For every up, there's a down, you know, and, and this, ha- this such is life. You know, you cannot always be up. You won't always be down. You know, you can't have endless summer. Some people like yourself moved to California, thinking they're going to have endless summer, but even California has a winter, right? And it's not as harsh as Canada, but it still has a winter. So,
1: and it, but it's much better than Chicago.
6: <laughs> oh yeah, man. I, I was I was in Chicago for AT and T for a number of years. I love that city you know but man is it cold <laughs> it's brutal cold
1: yes and i totally get it there's an ebb and a flow it's a flow it's not stuck
6: you know rhythm always compensates and and so you know the degree to which the pendulum swings left it will swing to a, a same degree right and so the higher you rise the higher the the, the deeper the fall and i've i've experienced that in my own life. And so rhythm always compensates. So again, if you, if you want to live a full life, you have to learn to embrace all the extremes. It doesn't mean you have to act on them, but you have to embrace all the extremes. And that comes right out of Buddhism, by the way, I'll, I'll reflect back on that since you have a history there.
1: And speaking of books, you now have, that's Harmonic Wealth we just spoke about. And you now have a book coming out, I believe later this year called the business of redemption. And the tagline is the price of leadership.
6: Correct. Correct. And you know, if, if you've seen the CNN documentary on Netflix called enlighten us, which is the story of my life and what unfolded in 2009, what, you know, there was a tsunami that hit me and my business and my life in a big way. And so this book is the story of everything that I went through and all the loss and yet the corresponding gain, because for every loss, going back to Rhythm Always Compensates, for every loss, there's a corresponding gain. Now, it may not be gained in the same way. I lost everything, uh, Tony, tangible, if you will. I lost my Inc. 500 company. I lost I, I was living on Mulholland Drive in Beverly Hills and an estate in Beverly Hills. And I lost that and ended up homeless. I lost uh, my savings account, my life savings. I lost my reputation. I lost my liberty, you know. And, and so, you know, someone would say, well, you lost everything. And, and I did in, a, in the tangible world. And yet I also gained a tremendous amount internally from all of that. A tremendous amount of wisdom, a tremendous amount of compassion and understanding, a tremendous amount of resilience and resourcefulness and endurance. And so this business of redemption is all about what it means to be a leader, because my company had an event in 2009 where things went incredibly wrong. And, you know, I'm sure if you've seen the documentary, you know, you know about that and most people do because the media went nuts with it. And I lost three clients and more importantly, three friends in an experiential activity. They lost their lives and it was on my watch. And so as the CEO of my company, it was a company event, but as the CEO of my company, I am responsible. And that's the price of leadership, that absolute responsibility. You don't throw your team under the bus. You don't place blame on anyone or anything else. You step up and shoulder up. And quite frankly, if you can't step up to that, then you better think again and stand down because that's the price of leadership. And so many people in today's world want to you know i was running a 10 million million dollar inc 500 company and they think oh my god you know don't i wouldn't i want to do that well maybe and then maybe not because when something goes sideways and you're the leader there's only one person that stands in the position of responsibility and that's you and that's true whether it's bp oil or enron or my former company james ray international and so You know at some point in time we all need redemption and i certainly did and do and that's what this book is all about is the price that i've had to pay to redeem my character my honor to redeem myself and to take my power back if you look up the definition of the word redemption it it's defined as the willingness to to gain or regain something by being willing to pay the price. And so there's always a price for the prize.
1: That is so profound. It takes me on a a different level. I take it a different way because I've been through my share of extreme hardship and bounce back to our audience. Check it out. Go to jamesray.com. And James, on your site, if someone wants to check out your books, can they get to your books from your site?
6: Yes. Everything's there. Um, If you look under products, it's there. You can contact us there. We have a variety of, I I do a lot of business consulting as well as as coaching and and everything is available there.
1: Excellent. All right, audience, head on over to jamesray.com. Check out his books. He gives away some items. He talks about the seven pillars and some other great (laughs) stuff. You're just going to have to go there and find out more about it. Well, James, thank you so much for sharing all of this, telling us about your life story, opening up your heart, telling us everything that happened. Impressed is just not the right word, but it's the only thing I can think of. Thank you so much for sharing this great story. Really loved it.
6: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Keep doing great things. Thank you.
1: And for my amazing audience, thanks so much for listening. Remember, success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Be righteous. Join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Urso Show.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.